Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. We are live and welcome to this week's episode of the On A Mission podcast. I had to take a moment to think what my own podcast was called there. Now this week I am joined by a very special guest. It's wonderful Mark Homer. Now for anyone who doesn't know Mark, firstly, where have you been? Um, Mark is somewhat of a demigod in the property world. He's bought, sold or managed over 1,000 units, um, not including the 600,000 square feet of commercial property that he's got, the 99 apartment development that he's just finished. He's a two times best-selling author, a podcaster, and um, yeah, that's just scratching the surface, Mark. So thank you very much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me, Ellie. Um, it's very kind of you to say I've got 600,000 square foot of commercial, but I've developed that much yes. space. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at the moment, I'm probably developing, I don't know, about 150,000 square foot, something like that, projects at the moment as we're rolling on. So yeah, my head's thick in development. I'm, uh, I'm right in the middle of... Um, two projects yeah. um, and um, yeah we've, we've we've got loads of subcontractors everywhere probably <laughs> I don't know 80 100 men something like that and uh, there's lots going on <laughs> yeah I can imagine a few yeah. more grey hairs than usual well I, I, I think I have got a few yeah <laughs> it, literally um, I've gained a few yeah, yeah. well I appreciate you taking yeah. the time because I know that you're normally knee deep in developments yeah. um, you've been investing yourself since 2003 yeah um, but you were you were sort of growing up um, I hadn't realized that you grew up in Indonesia Singapore yeah. um, your dad had worked for BT always had quite well-paid jobs, so you were brought up in quite a nice environment, good schools, you had staff working for you, but I'm right in saying your dad was also very frugal, which is um, yeah. Yeah, perhaps rubbed off. He was, he was, he was um, tight beyond belief. So <laughs> we, um, so I was born in Singapore and then we lived in Indonesia and it's, it's very cheap to live there generally, but um, obviously, you know, if you're sort of working there as a, uh, expatriate, you know, he'd be, I don't know, he'd be putting in um, big sort of training facilities or maybe infrastructure projects for their government or uh, the World Bank or maybe the Asian Development Bank. So, you know, invariably the companies end up paying for everything, mm -hmm. um, like, I don't know, your home and your sort of some, some sort of staff at home and then, you know, my school fees, all that sort of stuff. So my dad sort of spent 30 years um, not really spending his own money, saving almost all of it not paying any tax whatsoever because every time you do one of these jobs um you know there's usually an agreement with the local government that um, there's no income tax to pay and of course he was non-resident from the uk so he didn't have to uh, pay any to to this country so his idea of living was you save 95 percent of your earnings yeah um, and um you know you um i remember when he did have to start paying my school fees he just paid them out of the bank interest yeah. uh, because um, interest rates were like really, I don't know, they were like 8 9% or something at the yeah. time. So he just got tighter and tighter and I just grew up in this environment where, um, you know, we'd, um, we'd, we'd sort of, he, we'd get pulled over on the side of the road by a police officer for nothing really, um, you know, and most I don't know, English people would just sort of, uh, you know, give them the three pounds when they ask for it. And my dad would probably spend an hour <laughs> arguing until the police officer even gave up and um, he got he got to go away without the fine. So, um, yeah, that, that was um, that was my life then. Um, uh, I've heard you say as well, you yeah. used to like stockpile, you'd stay at these five star beautiful hotels, they'd yeah. be stockpiling the, the free salads, things like that. Well, that was in Pizza Hut. He'd, he'd, he'd sort of construct this... Uh, you, you get unlimited salad. Yeah. Well, you get one bowl. So <laughs> so he would go and get the bowl and then sort of, you know, get you know how you get I don't know bread or or, or something you know the the know, those hard sticks. Right? He'd pull those around the side and then sort of do a structural engineering job so that he could he could get as much salad in one bowl as possible. <laughs> 
um, so they didn't have to pay for the second one. Um, and then, you know, sort of be one pizza between my mum and myself. Uh, water, we're not having any of this. Silly soft drinks, silly money. Um, and uh, and that, that, that's how life went on, yeah. It sounds like meat a carberry, to be fair. It, it was, it, it was um, I suppose that was just normal to me, wasn't it? Because that's what I grew up with. Apart from when I saw my other friends at school um, with their Reebok pumps and I had to have Starm on because... They're all made in the same factory in Chenkarang, which is in Indonesia. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it, um, that was life. I remember, you know, he'd, he'd be part of this running club. They'd uh-huh. be, um, and he'd wear trainers and he, he would wear them until there were several holes in each trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he'd give them to the servants afterwards. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and sort of say, here's, here's a pair of trainers. And I think even they were like, no, we're, we're sort of done we're with this. We're good Or he'd take their old trainers. Do you know what I mean? Just, just bizarre behaviour, but that's what went on. Yeah. Do, you, do you think with the benefit of the hindsight, though, that's helped to, to teach you the value of money? Well, I think it, it did do, yeah. And I, obviously, I've eased up over the years because when you're in business, you, you actually... Yeah, it's important to control the cost, but time's your most valuable commodity. And sometimes, yeah. you know, pinching every penny will will cost you a lot of time, yeah. which costs you money. Um, so you can't do that. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think you know, control of sort of personal expenditure is is really you know that that was sort of instilled in me from from early doors. So you had your first entrepreneurial venture at fifteen, I believe, with your friend Sam importing cars. And yeah, we did some of that. We, I mean, the euro was weak. Um, you could, you know, get cars from EU member states without um, paying any. You know, you'd get the VAT off in the member state. Uh, you bring it in here, you just pay the VAT here. A lot of those member states had extra taxes mm-hmm. on their cars, which we didn't have here, which actually pushed the sort of net price down and the euro was really weak. So I could buy them cheap from, say, Belgium or Ireland, Southern Ireland, um, you know, and um, end, ended up getting a few cars that way mm-hmm. and um, sort of bringing them back. And sometimes I'd drive them and then sell them. Yeah. Uh, but that was, yeah, that was a nice early venture. Yeah, really good one. But then you felt you sort of followed the more traditional route of going to university and, and getting a job. Yeah. You actually did a degree that was beneficial to your career, which is quite yeah. rare. Yeah. So my dad was really um, bothered about me going to university and going on a graduate training scheme and sort of getting a good grounding um, in a proper business. Um, you know, he, he, he was never an entrepreneur. He always... He, I, I suppose he was he was an employee, but you probably call him more self-employed, working as a consultant for these these companies. Um, so of course he didn't really understand the world of business um, like an entrepreneur might. Uh, he knew I wanted to do it, so he sort of encouraged it. But he was like, I think it's a really good idea if you can have a university degree and do a graduate scheme first. So I really sort of went down that road, really pushed for that, and. Um, Yeah, I went to university, I studied international business economics, which has been really useful. Um, You know, I I still find economics really interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll I'll watch the Bank of England uh, monetary policy report, you know, the, um, sorry, the inflation report that comes from the Monetary Policy Committee, um, or, you know, I'll sort of read, you know, books on sort of economics or, you know, I subscribe to the FT. I find mm-hmm. it all really, really interesting, especially you go through times like now or the credit crunch where there's a lot of flux and a lot of change and, you know, inflation, interest rates, all stuff like that. These are the times where you, it's, it's mo- most interesting for an economics student. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that really useful. Um, and um, yeah, g- going on a graduate scheme was 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 great you know it was a sort of big fresh meat producer that i, I uh, you know the, the biggest in europe and they they'd sort of buy all the cattle in and and um you know sort of uh, red meat from um local farmers they'd kill it in the abattoir i'd spend some time in there um then then it go through to a deboning plant i spent some time in there and then on to further processing and then of course you've got the hides going off elsewhere and various other things so you know, that whole process, I think they had 30 factories and I went round them all. Mm-hmm. Well, I went round some of them, um, but they put me in a hotel. I'd live there for sort of three months in each um, area. Um, I think I probably had six postings in two years and um, that was really interesting. Obviously, you went through sort of all those 
production environments, but also sales, mm-hmm. um, through transport, through buying, through the accounts department, mm-hmm. all that, and um, just seeing how businesses really work at the coalface. Yeah, I love that. Do you think at the moment with our sort of mainstream education system, there are gaps in the sense that, I mean, I see now business people even performing at quite a high level that don't understand the basic principles of economics. Does yeah. that surprise you? Uh, no, I see that all the time. That I don't. I think a lot of them. Um, yeah, I just. I don't think. I don't think a lot of them get it. No. Um, I suppose you could say the same about me and biology, or yeah. you know, stuff that design I'm not good at. You know, my, my wife does all that sort of stuff. But is economics um, not more of a, a core skill? For people th- to have a basic grasp on? I think it is, yeah. I think economics and, and say, business administration, yeah. which, you know, I, I studied that at A-level, um, and p- part part of my degree as well, I think that's all really relevant. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, my son, Freddie, I'm going to encourage him to go to university, and, of course, it's up to him what he wants to do, but um, if he asks me, I'll, I'll tell him that economics would be, be, be serving best. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> serving the family footsteps. Well, he, you know, he, he, could, he could take over, couldn't he, and um, sort of run what, what's been created or, or, or part of it. Um, and, um, yeah, I think economics is the best degree for that. So, yeah. so you're there in your graduate scheme. At what point did you start to realise that being an employee wasn't for you? Ah... Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I probably knew it before I even started, mm-hmm. uh, and I knew I wanted my own business. Uh, yeah. You know, from my teens, I knew that. Um, so, you know, I suppose it was a stepping stone, you know, and as time went on, maybe it just crystallised my thoughts and, and my already held beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I was looking at the senior managers who were driving Volkswagen Passats, um, and you know, even the sort of head of, head of the company had a BMW 5 Series, and he was very proud of it. And um, you know, great and fine. And he, you know, but then I sort of, I, you know, when I was at school, like my, my pals there, all their dads have businesses, mm-hmm. good sized businesses, turning over, you know, um, tens of millions. And um, you know, they 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 were doing slightly different things, and I, <laughs> I found it um, that more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So one fateful night at a Holiday Inn, the path was set and you uh, bumped into your now infamous business partner. Do you want to talk to us about that? Yeah, so um, I was there working for a guy. I think we were doing some sort of presentation on, I don't know, property stuff, new builds overseas, something like that. And Rob turned up and he was this, I didn't know it then, but he was a struggling unemployed artist. uh, And... Yeah, we started talking at the bar and I think he bought me a drink and he just wanted to learn about all this property stuff. I think he really needed it. He was pretty desperate. Um, so yeah. that's what we did. Yeah. yeah, he always sort of cites you as being his first mentor. Yeah, I think, well, I think, I and maybe this is partly my personality, but I think I spent maybe the first few months just drilling into him what not to do Yeah. Uh, more than what to do. Yeah. I, probably because we were working for this guy and he was just filling filling us full of all this nonsense and um, um, yeah I, I just thought it's probably my job to protect Rob and just explain to him how this works yeah and the rest is history yeah <laughs> no, it's really interesting though so you, you obviously had the business the economics and the yeah. the experience of being around the high performance business people through yeah. your private education but yeah at what point were you introduced to the personal development world and started through rob well okay maybe slightly before that you know the guy i was working for had an interest in it but you know i would probably look at it and sort of go you know yeah great maybe that's for other people but rob took it on, embraced it when he came to work for, you know, where I was working. Um, And he became a life coach. Um, And he did all the Tony Robbins stuff and Christopher Howard and all this sort of stuff. And then he he started coaching me and he got me running and he got me me exercising, which changed my life. Um, And then I started to embrace it when I saw what it was doing for him. And of course, I, you know, I, he was like a, complete torrent do you know what i mean every every day be going on and on and on so of course <laughs> I, I started embracing it yeah so yeah. You, you mentioned about the running there i believe you've done the london yeah. marathon twice yes yeah yeah we we did both of them together yeah 
You and Rob? Yes. I did yeah. not you know Rob was yeah, a marathon yeah, yeah. runner? Well, he, he's done two marathons with me. Wow. Yeah. How long ago yeah. was that? <laughs> um, about 10 years ago. Was it? Uh, yeah. I, I've got one of the medals on my wall. Um, so I, upstairs, I'll give you the, the year of that. But um, I, I could tell you if I look yeah. at my photos, it would, it would uh, yeah, about 10 years ago. Yeah. And you're still yeah. doing the running now? Yeah, yeah, I run not every day because uh, just, you know, it hurts my joints. So... Um, yeah, I'll run uh, circuit train at home, and then um, this morning I went spinning at home. So, yeah, every every three days I, I go running. Yeah, brilliant. So when you and Rob decided to take the leap and uh, yeah. set up on your own, how yeah. did that how did that transition come about? Oh, um, well, a story, it isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that would have been sort of. I would have thought within a couple of weeks, Rob's already like, we've got to be out of here and start our own business. And, uh, yeah. and of course, my response was probably something like, yeah, great, but we're not ready yet, or now's not the time. <laughs> and, um, and of course, Nothing's changed with your dynamic until no, 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 all no. these so, years So I, th- I suspect we went on for maybe about six months, something like that. Uh, and of course, Rob would just have been sort of going on to me constantly about leaving. But in that period, I... I we I went and bought us a load of properties, mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah, and then we ended up ended up leaving. Um, and I th- yeah, I think Rob went and told everybody we were setting up and leaving, or went and told a, a couple of people. And then one of them, when Rob was away on a, I think he was filming some reality TV show, um, that person then went and told our boss, and he. Just he used to be a police officer. You can imagine he just fired into my, uh, fired over to my desk, and you know just confronted me. You know, <laughs> so so that that was the end of that um, position. I was, I was finished that day, and then, then Rob came back a week later or whatever, and then we started the business. So how did you identify in the early days uh, the different job roles? Because you've got such opposing skill sets, which is yeah. great, isn't it? When you can combine the two, you've, yeah. You know, you, you've got all the bases covered, but. It sort of reminds me of my husband and I were complete polar opposites. Yeah, yeah. And at the early days, you're a bit of a jack of all trades, trying yeah. everything until you see yeah. what sticks. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's what happened in the early stages. We were following each other around, doing the same stuff. So we just created a hierarchy, separated out all the job roles, yeah. um, and then took all the job roles on separately. Yeah. Brilliant. And yeah. to start off with, were you just using your own finance or were you leveraging other people's? Yeah, it was borrowing off family, borrowing off other people, using some of my own money, a uh, mixture of um, usual sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then we were buying for clients as well. So we were buying loads of houses. Um, we had a program, I think we had 110 clients on it, and I bought several hundred houses, refurbished them all individually. Um, and... Um, then we took an equity slice of those properties. Yeah, yeah. I like what you're doing. You weren't, yeah. It wasn't just the traditional deal packaging. You took yeah. the 25% equity stake. Yeah, it started as a, a sort of fixed fee. And yeah. then it, it, yeah, it was about 20, 25% depending. Yeah, and um, yeah, that we've still got quite a few of those equity shares today. It's yeah. really interesting because you've yeah. got the UK's leading uh, property trading company yeah. now. But did anyone teach you guys how to do it or was it trial and error? To teach us how to buy the properties, how to and do how the to properties do and add the value, and it's a mixture, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, in the early days, I had a, a sort of mentor, letting agent mentor, who was doing it, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I watched him, learned from him, sort of started learning. Then I went on some courses, uh, learned how to do it a bit more, mm-hmm. um, read loads, watched DVD sets, a bit more trial and error. Um, that's what I've always done. I've, I've used both I've, I've tried to sort of learn off others i've tried to get mentors i've been on some courses and done home study stuff but then a load of it would have been just doing it and making a load of mistakes so yeah. and i'm guessing that property education was a lot less accessible back then uh accessible as in just not so much of a thing um yeah, I, I don't Back know. Back in the olden days? <laughs> no, I, I, you know, there were there were big events going on Was there? when we started. Yeah, because we started this business at the end of 06. Yeah. And Tony Robbins was firing on. Um, you know, I think um, there was Christopher Howard. They were getting three, 4,000 people in a room. So that was yeah. sort of personal development. 
Uh, there was Whitney at the time. Yeah. Uh, they were doing, you know, big rooms. Um, th th there were others as well. So, you know, it, it, that was at the end of that boom. Was it? Uh, yeah, and, and there the, the, the was a lot of, there the was training. I don't know, maybe there's more now. I don't have a way of analysing it because you can just look at Facebook and say there's loads of people doing it, but it, that's not... Um, you know, partic particularly sort of empirical way of looking at it. And I, I I couldn't assess whether it was bigger then or bigger now, but I, I would say there were still quite a few people doing it who have now gone. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot were taken out in the um, credit crunch. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on the sector at the moment? Um, well, the sector's just coming out of lockdown, isn't it? And, mm. and those that went online and sort of started offering a, a digital sort of offering option mm -hmm. Uh, are you know some will be continuing that, but they're they're now sort of dealing with maybe some of the uh, customers having sort of less attention for that sort of thing, mm -hmm. going back to the sort of physical environment. So they're having they probably had to change their businesses once or shut them down, mm -hmm. and now they're probably having to do it again. We mm -hmm. certainly are. Do you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's a lot of flux. Yeah, um, because where people are spending their time and what they're doing has changed twice yeah because we you know we went into lockdown they're at home they're on the screen mm -hmm. now they're coming out of that so, yeah mm -hmm. there's a lot of work to do in those periods yeah it feels like we're in a state of limbo at the moment as well yeah um, yeah i i guess if in july then um, they they I, who knows what this july thing looks like everyone's like, oh freedom day but what is freedom day you know what what ha what continues after that masks mm -hmm. and all the rest of it i mm -hmm. don't know i wonder whether they made the decision yet i don't know what are your thoughts on the government's response to the pandemic well i mean that's such a you know huge question isn't it it um, is i you know i They've screwed up loads of stuff, haven't they? I mean, the the, the track and trace obviously mm -hmm. was um, a complete mess. Um, Boris has done what I think he does in his private life, where you know if he's got a problem, he just seems to spray money at it, mm -hmm. like having loads of kids and you know earning 150 grand a year as a promise and not having any money because he's got all these kids and just spraying money everywhere and all the rest mm -hmm. of it. And I think that's what he's. Um, encourage Rishi to do. I think that's helped a lot of society. Um, we didn't get very much in this business. I, you know, there was a little bit of furlough, you know, but, you know, other than that, you know, council tax, uh, sorry, business rates, all that sort of stuff, very resistant, very slow. Mm -hmm. um, not, not, you know, found it hard to get any responses, to be honest. Um, so, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it, it, obviously they're, they're sort of taking credit for the vaccines. Um, I think maybe what you read is that what they did was find the right woman to, you know, in private equity who's gone off and done these deals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she, she seems like she's done an amazing job. Um, mm -hmm. You know, NHS, it, the, 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 all this stuff is new, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it is also easy to criticise because of course the impetus wasn't there to spend the money on preparing for something that hadn't happened since I don't know 100 years ago or whatever mm -hmm. you know so it's sort of everyone it's society and most com countries seem to be in a similar boat didn't they mm -hmm. um, which is the real litmus test mm -hmm. but I suppose the, um, the Israelis have you know gone quicker than us with the vaccines maybe the US have come out of lockdown quicker and I, maybe we haven't controlled it as well here, but phew, I don't know. You could say that a lot of that is um, the, 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 the sort of social makeup um, of, you know, how, how close people live together in this country, how um, dense it is, you know, the types of people, the, you know, attitudes, all that sort of stuff does sort of vary it, doesn't it? Um, I don't know. Do the vaccines work? Obviously. Um, I, I don't believe in this anti-vax stuff. Um, do do we know all the consequences of taking the vaccines? No. Um, you know, I although I, I have had both vaccines for various reasons, um, I'm a bit concerned that they'll find stuff out in two, three years because they had to um, develop them so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, uh yeah, I think we need to. Deaths are really low. Mm -hmm. You know, they're what fifteen, twenty a day. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they just need to sort of focus on that now and, and the fact that hospitalizations have gone up a bit but not very much so they need to get stuff open mm-hmm. um, you know test the herd immunity uh, theory uh, let it rip mm-hmm. um, you know the, the vaccines are there now I, I think 83% of adults are double vaccinated and mm. about 62% sorry 83 are single vaccinated about 62 a double so um, you know, and the, it shifted, hasn't it? You know, mm-hmm. initially it was all, oh, you know, it was the over seventies or over sixties, and you know, those were pre-existing conditions. And yeah, they want the other ones are done. Well, we vaccinated all of those quite a while ago, and they're done. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's been mission creep, hasn't there, into oh, but we've got to stop variants. Well, we clearly can't stop variants, can yeah. we? Um, so I think we need to crack on there. What was the biggest sort of business challenge that you faced throughout? Well, everything just changes, doesn't it? I mean, the office just got shut. Um, I still was coming in because I was running a construction site and I just felt someone had to, you know, be here. Um, The, you know, we we had event, I don't know, maybe we had six, seven, eight hundred event days a year. All of a sudden they become illegal, Mm -hmm. so you can't run them anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, everything goes online and we had a lot of support from the staff. Um, you know, and creating all the online stuff, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then you're sort of scrapping about with, I don't know, council trying to sort some grant money out or loans and things like that. But, you know, I, I, don't, I still don't think we've had a response from the council, a substantive one. Um, the, uh, they're good at taking the money mm-hmm. um, and the business rates and all that sort of stuff. Um, the... Um, the yeah just endless stuff obviously in in construction it was a bit unsure in an initial period what we were going to get in terms of getting shut down uh i remember there was that week might be march april 2020 when there were all those workers on the underground massing and nicholas sturgeon and jeremy corbyn were basically saying shut the construction sites and everything else because They're just complete lefties. Um, and um, thankfully, Boris ignored them. So yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, Were you worried you'd have to shut your... Because yeah, I'm right in thinking it was 123,000 square feet of development yeah. you were working on at the time. Yeah. Um, the project managers said to me, oh, I think it's inevitable. You know, you'll be shut in a couple of weeks. A couple of other people said that to me. And I just said, well... Until the government says specifically that we're shutting, we're not shutting. Yeah. All the builders' merchants shut. Um and then, you know, we started finding little pockets of around the country, you know, oh, we've got a bit of this or a bit of that. So <laughs> we, we hired a van um, and then we started driving around, picking it up. Yeah. Um, so that worked. Um, and we got a bit of, um, you know, tra- I think Travis said, oh, we'll only supply, um, you know, to construction sites doing essential works. So I looked at all the sort of guidelines on their website and then I thought well this is interesting because we're working above a trading supermarket with water you know ingress going into the supermarket and I've got emails from them yeah you know getting pretty heavy um so I just put all that together in a nice pack showing we're doing essential works sent it to one of the directors at Travis and they were like yeah you are great you can buy materials and it was like any materials so that works so you just kind of sit down and really think about how you get around stuff, haven't you? But yeah. what did you do during that time? Because I'm guessing you were as blindsided as everyone else. Yeah. Like what did you do to preserve your own mental health? Oh, God, just clear everything else out. Um, bed early, you know, up in the morning, um, you know, get rid of the alcohol, get rid of the, you know, just make sure I exercise every morning. Just mm-hmm. In some ways, it was handy because everything was shut. So... Mm-hmm. I could focus on this and mm. I wasn't hearing from a lot of other people, mm. which I quite liked from yeah. a personal point of view. Um, but yeah, you just have got to clear everything out and sort it, haven't you? It's, Loads of action. Yeah, but this is, this is what I absolutely love about you because uh, I've been listening to some of your previous podcasts and I know that there, there have been times where you've had um, building companies go under and all sorts of things like that and you take the initiative. The story I, I particularly love is when that happened to you, you took the initiative to get the names and contact details of all the management team of this particular company and, and actually go and approach the QSEs and project managers and what have you as well. And Yeah, so I did I did have one go bust. And um, so 
I I quite like using um, one nine two. Um, it's it basically tells you lots of things about lots of people, um, and they went bust. All the phones went gone. Um, so I, I obviously knew their names, but I didn't have any of their contact details because yeah. they were all shut off that night by the administrator. So I just got on one nine two, spent you know overnight doing all that, got all the contact details, and then um, got in my car the next morning, went to the houses and started signing them up. Yeah. It's a, a solution-based mindset, isn't yeah. it? It's my favourite Jim Rohn quote, is yeah. don't wish it was easier, wish you were better, because you can't yeah. control these. Um, you it, cannot control this stuff. You've just got to get on with massive action and sort it. Yeah. What do you think yeah. the biggest opportunity is to come out of the pandemic? Ah, biggest opportunity out of the pandemic. Um, mm, I suppose the digital online stuff for courses, that's mm. a new... It was a market that was there before, but I think consumers are a lot more used to it now and zoom and stuff like that so there are definitely opportunities there um i think in terms of construction um clearly those doing residential developments have probably benefited from price rises mm-hmm. um capital growth mm-hmm. um i don't know where the opportunity is there because it probably makes the land more costly um rent's probably a strengthening mm-hmm. so there's probably an opportunity there for landlords mm-hmm. um what property strategies do you favor then at the moment so i like single let and i like mm-hmm. hmo uh, you know or, or co-living at scale mm-hmm. um so you know i'm doing a 40 room co-living block and i've done a series of them previously mm-hmm. um so you know i like those for increased yield mm-hmm. and cash flow um and you know i i'm I'd buy retail and convert it because mm-hmm. it can be cheap and it's dying. Um, so I how, like doing How are you finding stuff. planning departments to deal with at the moment? I Asking sorry. for a friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I obviously have to be diplomatic mm. because uh, I, I operate in this area. Um, I, it depends on the officer you get and mm. it depends on the consultees. Um, Generally, I've had issues and I've got them sorted and, and a lot of that is because I've had a really good planning consultant yeah. who works locally and knows who to go and talk to or what professionals to bring in and do reports and, you know, we find a way around those stuff. Um, I've had a couple in recent times where I've had issues with consultees that have delayed things by every year. Wow. Um, yeah, one eighteen months. Yeah. Um, you know, and that over noise and various other things which is really costly yeah um so yeah it's um i I, you know my sort of score rate might be i don't know i probably get three where i get them done in maybe reasonable time then i have one that just seems to go wrong Mm -hmm. Uh, and i've got them all sorted um now um you know everything that we've got is is consented with the right consent now but um yeah, that, it, it can be troublesome. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, which is which is why there's always a, you know, an uplift when you get planning consent, and why banks won't get involved mm-hmm. with development finance usually until there's planning consent. Yeah, no, yeah. I I fully agree with that. It just seems to be that what's already quite a cumbersome process is. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of excuses going on at the moment oh, for incompetence. Oh, that yeah. I mean, we had all that through lockdown everything oh covid because of covid due to covid you know yeah and they're at home they've probably got more time yeah because there are less people sort of at them in the day um yeah i uh, and obviously you ring a lot of companies and and that is the automated response and i think it's wearing a bit thin now yeah yeah what are your thoughts on that uh, are all your staff back in the office now or do yeah. you operate in a more hybrid model um, yeah i mean there'd be sort of a red and a blue team yeah um so we we have and um you know do to some extent continue with that but the majority are back in now yeah, yeah okay yeah. no it's quite interesting because our staff now we're kind of we're still 50 50 yeah um yeah we we were alternating mm-hmm. so we had a red team one week and a, and a blue team the next week but you you don't until you all get back in you don't realize how how detrimental and the stuff that breaks because the collaboration's not there mm-hmm. um and yeah i 
I think there are consequences to all this. Yeah. I know that you follow the economy with a, a keen eye. What are your best thoughts on the property market over the next few years? <laughs> I, um, I mean, in, in terms of prices, I, I, I just don't know. Um, I, I don't think anybody really knows. I, I know, I know what happen in the medium to long term. Yeah. You, you get five roughly in the residential market. You probably get five percent capital growth and rent's probably a similar similar rate yeah but i don't know how much each year and when that comes yeah and you, you know you can see that surely anyone who's been in this can see that clearly now from the beginning of the pandemic when savills and knight frank and all the rest of them came out with all these predictions so many people said they were complete nonsense and mm-hmm. you know savills said the market was only going to go down five percent and i think the, it was almost unanimous that everybody said well it's complete nonsense it's going to fall much more than that mm-hmm. um and of course it didn't it went up and savills were the most a- accurate the estate yeah. agent was the most accurate um so you know i, I think there's too many too many wheels that are turning that you cannot predict. You don't mm-hmm. know what is going to happen to interest rates. You don't know what is going to happen to inflation. You don't know what ha- is going to Boris is going to do. How much they're going to spend? All this stuff. Um, and when you're in a period of flux like this, um, that stuff still to be determined. So how can you determine what house prices are going to be mm-hmm. in the short term? Um, so. Yeah, I, uh, you know, inflation. Obviously, they're talking about inflation continually. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's in, you know, the press almost every day at the moment. Um, Aldi, uh, Andy Haldine, who's on the Monetary Policy Committee at the Bank of England, he'd be sort of an outlier. He'd be saying, "Well, inflation's going to pick up. It's not just temporary. Um, you know, there are sort of deep-rooted reasons." Uh, the, the sort of three main reasons why it's going to pick up, you know, all the stimulus, very, mm-hmm. very low interest rates, and the fact that we've just released um, uh, people into um, sort of a, uh, an opened economy who have got loads of savings mm-hmm. uh, because they saved them in the pandemic. So he thinks it's going to run higher for longer. Okay. Um, but the rest of the Monetary Policy Committee at the Bank of England, they don't agree, including the governor. They keep saying it's temporary. Um, prices are going up because there's a lack of supply of materials of services because things have been shut factories have been shut mm-hmm. but as supply then reaches meets demand because things get back to normal post pandemic and a bit of brexit as well uh, containers get back to china and and the um the east mm-hmm. because a lot of the containers have, are in the wrong place they're, they're in europe and the us okay um you know this cost of shipping a container, which was three thousand pounds, went to twelve thousand pounds. Oh, really? Um, so wow. uh, you know that that starts to come down again. Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess companies are going to use this. They, are they going to drop prices back to where they were? Probably not. But does this inflation rate continue? Uh, the, the governor and you know the, the rest of them think not. But you don't know. You know the, this is what happens. You know in the late in the seventies and the eighties. Um, you know, the I think the just before inflation really picked up in the US, one of the, you know, sort of uh, the reports from their central bank was it's transitory, it's picking up, but you know it's going to fall back again. Yeah. Um, so we'll see that that's something that they're going to have to watch. Um, you know, if it does pick up and it gets um, ingrained, they're going to have to put interest rates up. Mm-hmm. They can't put them up, you know, back to where we were in the nineties. Because asset values are so much higher, mm-hmm. um, and people just there's no way people if if they did then um, demand would just fall off a cliff. Yeah. Um, but they're going to have to go up, aren't they? They're going to have to go up at, at, at some point. It might be sooner rather than um, sooner than the market believes. I think the market thinks the US is going to start by 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that'll that'll impact the property market. Um, there was so much trepidation in the yeah. marketplace last year as well, well that yeah. it well, actually was quite in the first half. But in, then in it the just it just went berserk, didn't it? It went mental. Yeah. But for the first half of the year, and, we and, had and no all the narrative was, oh, it was because of stamp duty, and oh, it's because of furlough, and all. Well, a lot of that stuff has has gone wound through now, and it's just continued. Yeah, I think the, the, what it probably was was that people's circumstances had changed or they believed that they changed permanently and therefore they needed a different property which meant they need to move which activity in the you know them moving and activity in the residential property market means prices rise mm-hmm. i think that was probably the underlying thing but 
you can only see that now looking backwards. It just shows you the predictions yeah. are usually bloody wrong. Yeah. And you've got to be so sceptical of them, including those for interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're often just plain wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you don't know. You know what's going to happen. You just don't know exactly when. What about other yeah. forms of investment as well, like your bitcoins and things like that? Um, yeah, so obviously Bitcoin's had a, well, it had a good run. Yeah. I think it got to about 40,000 sterling. It seems to pull back quite a bit in the last few weeks. And it's made me a bit more interested, actually. Um, you know, when it got down to sort of 22, 23, it seems to come back. I think we're at 24,000, 25,000 per Bitcoin mm-hmm. sterling, um, which I quite, yeah, I don't know at what level I've become interested in. I suppose it depends what else I've got going on, how much cash I've got. But... You know, I'd if it drops enough, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd like to. I've got, I've already got some, but I'd probably get involved more heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably do that and maybe Ethereum, but I wouldn't do any of the others. I, I, um, I have a business partner who knows a lot about currency, and he, he, he you know, he thinks Bitcoin's a real deal, and and and, and probably Ethereum and, and most of the other stuffs just a load of hot air and scams and rubbish. Um, Do you invest in yeah. anything else? I know that Rob's a big fan of the watches. And... Yeah, I like watches. I yeah. think watches are a great thing. Again, he Rob knows far more about watches than I do. Um, I have a, an understanding now, um, and I have a reasonable idea of what to buy. Um, but I go off what he tells me generally. Um, and yeah, been really good. You know, in terms of returns and um, yeah, easy storage. They're great. Yeah. The about, right ones. The yeah. right ones. What, yeah, yeah. what about cars? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we've got one car. We, we've got a Ferrari Testarossa, and I, that went down, but I think that's going up now. It's probably pretty good. Um, I have a 911 that's probably in the short term going up just because of what's going on. Maybe it shouldn't be. Um, but I suppose when you, you debase the currency and print a load of money, this is what happens. Um, all the other cars I've got just go down in value. And, um, do, yeah. do you find it quite difficult? Because yeah. I, I heard you say recently in an yeah. interview, which is quite, I mean, yeah. you're obviously hugely successful, decamillionaire, you've got all these successful businesses, but you still like to go to Costco and stockpile razors for two years' worth well, of supplies. I don't, do you know what? I, I went to Costco once <laughs> and I signed up because I was in Leicester because I've got so many friends saying, go, go to Costco, that's where you should buy everything. Um, so I, what I found was they do online ordering, which is bloody good. So I had it last week, Gemma said, because I, I just saw these. Maybe it's a, uh, a legacy thing, but <laughs> I just, the, this sort of non-perishable stuff in the house, I tend to sort out. And um, she said, right, I want a kitchen roll and I want baby wipes. So I just I just went straight on the Costco website. Uh, actually, it was early this week. I just I think I ordered two years worth of each. Um, <laughs> and it, honestly, it's so cheap, or it's the cheapest. It's good stuff, and they deliver it to the house. Um, and she won't talk to me about that now for two years. So that, that's good, great use of time, best value. Um, and I don't, yeah. Whereas if she just goes to Waitrose and buys it, I just. It just winds me up a bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just interesting, though, that as your wealth inc- has increased, yeah. your your desire to maximise the pound has still remained. It, uh, yeah, subject to time. Yeah. As long as it doesn't um, take a load of my time. Yeah, because I don't have much of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, good. I, I get pleasure from it. I mean, I sort the insurance out every year as well on on the cars, just because again, I. I don't know, I'd have PAs doing it and it's probably a good use of my time. So, um, you know, every July I do it and it, it does take me probably half a day. Um, but now um, we've got rid of various sort of claims and, you know, nasty things on licenses <laughs> and things like that. Rob. Um, <laughs> he's done well, actually. Um, yeah, we've got um, awesome. So I, I think the Lamborghini was insured for about four thousand quid before. I've just got it done at about seven hundred quid. It made me really happy. <laughs> um, I got I got a Ferrari, the Ferrari Testarossa, hundred grand worth of car. I got that done at two nine five. Um, I got my Porsche done at three seventy. 
Um, and I think it sort of Gemma's Range Rover out because it all used to be on a fleet policy until yeah. there was the explosion and we had a massive claim and it just went skits. Um, so yeah, I, I reckon we could easily be spending fifteen grand on all on about five cars. Yeah, and I I probably get it. I think I get it all done for a couple of grand. Brilliant. So it's worth me doing it because I know how to do it. Yeah. It becomes a thousand pound dinero task though, doesn't it? Yeah. But you like the yeah. finer things in life, the champagne taste, but you just prefer the lemonade wallet. And that's the yeah, same yeah. when you travel as well, yeah. isn't it? One of your other big passions is yeah. your, your ear points, which I just think is fantastic because you travel everywhere now, business or first class. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. you're okay. Obviously, I haven't managed to too much recently, but um, yeah, business and first, I always use Avios, uh, British Airways, uh, spend on American Express, uh, uh, premium plus card British Airways premium plus card um, and um, yeah we you know we'll, we'll, we'll go to Barbados this winter um, I've got four of us sorry five or six of us in business class um, at 600 quid a seat my pal's coming um, with a companion voucher I, I usually always book them a year ahead although mm-hmm. more recently I haven't had to we went to Portugal two three weeks ago flew you know, business European business class, um, same thing. I, I, and at the moment, I don't even. I, I, I use more points. I, I use no cash, mm-hmm. so that when I cancel it, I don't have to pay any cancellation fees because I'm constantly changing them because of pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. All three of us went to Portugal. I changed them two or three times because they're Avios seats. I think it was five pounds each booking cost me, mm-hmm. um, and it probably would have been I don't know two grand's worth. So, yeah, I, I absolutely love doing that. Why do you think more people aren't tapping into it? I just think, um, as with the insurance, it's uh, it, you've, you've got to know how to do it and yeah. you've got to have the inclination and you've, I think your brain's got to be a certain way, if I'm yeah. really honest, and I think you've, you've got to want to put the time into it. And, you know, in terms of, the insurance stuff came from me when I was a young lad mm-hmm. and I wanted high performance cars when I was 17 and 18 and the thing that stopped it was the insurance so mm-hmm. I just thought I want that and I'm going to have that so I used to ring 30 insurance companies mm-hmm. and just find one eventually that would do it on some massive excess and third party and whatever else um, and you know low mileage and going through that process I just I just learned it. Do you know what I mean? So that's just continue. Obviously now it's comparison sites, but I just go on all four and everything's saved. But I instinctively know what to do. And with the the Avios, I never had the money. I always wanted to travel business or first class, never Mm -hmm. had the money. Um, And I started working this out probably 10, 12 years ago. We'd fly everywhere. My dad would be constantly, we'd be on planes all the time, but it would always be economy. Mm -hmm. He would never pay for anything else. Um, but sometimes we get upgraded and it would be like, my dad would be like, oh, this is it, you know, we're getting upgraded, you know. And, and so when I started learning about this Avios, it was just such a, I, I just used to sit in bed, lie in bed, because I, I don't always sleep that well. And I just bloody read for hours on all the forums how all the little tri- tips and hacks and ways to get mainly British Airways business or first class seats using Avios and a companion voucher and all the little rules and ways around it and ways with the credit card companies and and then once you learn it it's just sort of topping it up and there's a couple of websites you know which I'll read I, I you've got to enjoy it you've got to love it as well haven't you it's it's a sport and I love travel so I I enjoy doing it yeah is this going to be the next course um <laughs> You'd have to ask Rob. With, with <laughs> I'm surprised it. you've not got one yeah, already. Well, you, you, I don't know if people have come on it. You know, it's um, I don't know if people are paying. I mean, it would save them. I mean, every year I probably it must it must have twenty. I mean, we went to the Maldives in March last year, just before this started. We stayed in a villa, which I booked using points, which cost I had to buy one night, which cost two thousand pounds. So we stayed ten nights, and it was it was twenty grand, um, and it cost me two grand plus all the points. So we saved eighteen grand on this villa, wow. with, you know, brand new villa with a swimming pool on this, you know, island in the middle of Maldives, and then all the flights. So I think on the whole thing we saved twenty five thousand quid. So if I look every year, I reckon we probably save. 
I'd never obviously go there and pay for that normally, but Gemma gets to go in this sort of amazing whatever, you know, that she wants to, and of course I love it as well. So we probably save 30 grand a year, don't we, on travel. So it's just worth it, isn't it? You know, I just see it as a great use of time. It 100% yeah. is. Yeah. Just, just let me ask you that question, though, because yeah. putting aside the, the three yeah. points, which is a phenomenal thing, yeah. you mentioned that I would never normally pay that. Yeah. Why not? What else are you going to do I, with I the money? I probably just couldn't bring myself to, you know. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's just ingrained. It was ingrained in me that you... you you just don't behave like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't really get out of that now. Do you know what I mean? I my my dad sort of taught me those values, and um, I just I probably never change now. Yeah. 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 But you've got to have your so you don't need to. You can. No, you can keep do, Gemma happy. Yeah, you can I get have to do the, both. Yeah, yeah. I love it's it. It's a sort of sensible. Uh, I don't know. Champagne lifestyle, lemonade wages. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, final question for you, Mark, because I've yeah. got to be respectful of your time. It's the On A Mission podcast. What is yeah. your mission? What's the legacy? Uh, well, legacy is is uh, creating sort of, uh, you know, mainly property and investment models which create uh, big income streams, mm-hmm. um, showing other people how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of creating the thing that develops their businesses and their income streams and their sort of financial future and security the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of helping, training others to improve their lives. Mm-hmm. That's sort of, uh, I suppose that's my biggest legacy and, and sort of teaching my son how to do the same thing. Absolutely love that. You've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you for being a good sport. And um, where can, if anyone doesn't know how to connect with you, where's the best place to, to find you? Well, I'm on Facebook, um, on Twitter. Uh, I have a podcast called Mark My Words. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, all the usual stuff. Instagram, uh, Progressive Property website, uh, Progressive Property Community Facebook group. Um, yeah, all over sort of Google. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Mark. Thanks everyone for watching. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.